0: Hi, everybody. It's Ryan with Pi Records, and I'm here with Chuck Coffee from Snappy Little Numbers. How you doing, Chuck? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. We have a lot of mutual interests and, and friends, uh, so I'm very happy to talk to you for the first time and get to know a little bit about what you do. Um and I'm sure people will find it of great interest. Yeah, uh, do, well, we'll, we'll <laughs> do, do you wanna start with a little we'll see. Do you want to start with a little introduction of what uh, Snappy Little Numbers does?
1: Sure. Um, so Snappy Little Numbers quality audio recordings is uh, it basically it's just um, a hobby record label that I started in 2001 after doing another label for a long time with a friend of mine called Not Bad Records that it just kind of come to a good close. And with snappy little numbers, it was just kind of a, I was kind of um, figuring out where I was uh, with with music and my participation level um, after having played in bands for a long time. And it was kind of like, well, I still want to keep doing stuff. And, you know, I wasn't sure I hadn't realized yet that I was a lifer at that point. Um, but doing snappy little numbers and having it grow um, to be what it's become, which is, uh, you know, I figured i put out a few records, whatever. And now, you know, we've done nearly a hundred releases in 10 years. Um, it totally, it's, uh, it's part of the reason why I understand now that I'm a music lifer. So a lot of it for me is social and it's about helping friends and, um, you you know, just, uh, I know how to press records and, 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 you know, how to work records a little bit. I'm not the best at anything, but it's one of those things where, you know, I don't, I don't know what other people know. And I just got people over the years that were like, we like what you do. Can we be a part of it? And I just kind of just kept going, going from there. And it's turned into something really fun. And I've made a lot of great friends and met a lot of cool people and heard a lot of awesome music and great stories and I just it's I've been really lucky with it I think. So how how is it you've you've managed to connect so far and wide like what what do you look for in a band that you're going to release? So a lot of it comes from uh, I think just having played in bands too that's how I meet a lot of people um, playing in bands over the years and um I'm usually in uh, I'm usually in a couple bands at any given time, but I've been playing in a band called Spells for the last eight years and we've been really lucky to have played a lot of great shows and done some some touring and played festivals and that has been a really good outlet for meeting people and um, connecting through music. Um, and then also I've just kind of been, the, the person around town like you know every city has a, a, a scene and then a million sub scenes and you know there's a lot of great stuff going on in Denver and you know I'm just part of a small fraction of it but um, that fraction I uh, has supported um, very strongly for a long time and I think that tends to lead to a lot of sustained relationships too so um, you know, as people start new bands or move on to other things, like those relationships stay and eventually might develop into, you know, doing another record with a band that might be new to some people, but I've known, known them for years, you know?
0: Awesome. So what, uh, I don't want to say genre, but, but what is it that you are, are passionate about?
1: In, in a band that might want you to put them out. So what I'm passionate about, uh, I mean, I am, I think, like you and any anybody else that that considers themselves a music fan. Like I, I love, I love a band, and I love people that believe in what they're doing, and um, you know that can come in many shapes and, and sizes, but you know the. For someone, I I think it's really important for people to understand that, um, you know, people put a lot of effort into their bands and into their music. And you can tell you can tell who's doing it just because it's something to do is, you know, they they feel driven or motivated. and, And that's not necessarily, you know, some sort of like drive to make it to the top or to be like the the, the best band in the world. But to be the best that they can be um, is, is really cool. And I think you can hear that in a lot of music. And, you know, a, a lot of what drew me to punk and why a lot of the stuff that I do is punk related is just, you know, you don't feel like you fit in with normal society or normal this or that. And, you know, the idea of subculture and counterculture is really um, important to me and I think uh, a lot of the music I'm drawn to and a lot of the, the people that I get along with have a similar feeling so it's kind of a it's almost familial like you make a connection with the band like yeah we're on the same side and we're, we're all in this together and you know just, just trying to be, be good people and, and um, you know have a, have a little bit of fun while still also being like socially aware of You know the larger world and um you know especially now i think there's a time where we're seeing a lot of bands realize that whether 10 people or 10 million people like what you're doing you have a you have a platform not only to share your your passion musically but also your beliefs and and your drive to try and do better and i've really enjoyed um find you know working with bands that feel that way and, and helping them um with with how they can they can um participate more and and in the larger life i guess there's a you you mentioned the 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 family
0: aspect and and what really interests me is um how like diy punk rock the community uh everybody seems to bump into each other at some point it's 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 large, but yeah. not not that large that you that, that you're not going to wind up meeting somebody in any given scene at any time. What uh what what does DIY ethic uh
1: mean to you in the community? Uh, so to me, it's you know it's it's really interesting. Um, it's um there's so many different levels, and there's so many different. I mean, there's so many different things in the world that have, that have kind of been adopting, you know, a, a DIY aesthetic. But, but to me, it's really, you know, when you say do it yourself, there is a portion where I think it's important to, to be willing to take the responsibility to do something and to either make it or also not be afraid to, you know, like fail and, and let it sink. Um, that's all part of, of DIY and there's a shared aspect in it too where it's you know like is the do it yourself it's, it's really more of like a dio like a do it ourselves kind of thing to me it's more like it's more like understanding that you know you have you have the willingness to do it yourself but I'm not good at everything but I'm good at some things and other people are good at the things that I'm not good at and it's just kind of this this circle of people helping each other out and I think that's why people get the bumps is because you recognize that people if they could do it all themselves, they would and you appreciate that in them so you want to help them whether you're a bigger band or you're a bigger label and you want to shine a light on something or like you have a, a cool show and it gives you a chance to um, you know expose people to you know, more than just the catalog numbers and the 10 tracks on a record. You get to know like who people are, why they do what they do. And that's what, that's really what DIY means to me is, is really, um, you know, you're doing, you're doing it yourself but you're doing it with others and you're doing it for others. Like I don't just do the label or play in bands because I want certain things to happen. It's because I also want to see things happen for other people. That's
0: it's very interesting. And I think a, a lot of people doing independent music uh, have the same feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Winch introduced me to you and he couldn't say enough good things uh, from Green Noise Records. And uh, That's great. That's awesome. And it, it wanted me, like he talked about some of the stuff he likes to distro. And uh, I'd like to know a little bit about some of the bands you you really feel like lucky or or, or just really stoked about working with.
1: Um, well, let's see here. I guess uh, uh, the blanket statement is I love everybody equally that I work with, <laughs> and they're all my favorites. But uh, but, uh, but honestly, what you know, it, it, there's kind of difference there's kind of a, a few different ways to respond to that. I'll say uh, I'm lucky that anybody wants to work with me at all, because who, who am I compared to the thousands of other people that are doing this, but um, really the the things where I feel lucky, the things where I really feel lucky is I've always kind of been a, I'm a homer, like I'm a big, you know, you'll, you'll look down the roster and you'll find out that two out of three bands are from Denver and that's not an accident, um, you know, like I never set out to like try and be like a Discord or like an early lookout or something where you're documenting your, just your own scene. But by default, that's kind of what happens because, you know, I live in Denver and, uh, you know, that's where I see most of the shows and meet most of my friends. Um, so the bands I'm really stoked to work with on, you know, aside from being friends, I'm stoked to see bands um that are from from my backyard that um get attention elsewhere so like i did a record for a band called black dots a couple years ago and razor cake really picked up on them and um they got a lot of attention and they had a good set at uh fest before their record came out and you know i get really excited when when stuff like that is happening for those bands um, there's another band from denver called lawsuit models and they're one of those bands that are, are they're, they're great people. And I, I've, I've, you know, their band was good to start with, but as you know, the years go by and they make more records, you can really chart the progress and how they've become better songwriters and better musicians. And, you know, more people hear their band and get excited. And, you know, I get excited about things like that. And then there's the flip side where uh, I'll work with the band from like Foxhall Stacks from Washington DC, which, you know, like I, they're all punk rock famous is what I call it. Cause they've all been in bands and done all these things like that, you know, I was listening to their records when I was 17 or 18. And then fast forward all these years later and, you know, they become like your friends and acquaintances and they're asking you for advice on what to do with their record. And I'm like, well, you should be telling me what you want me to do. But here's what I think, and then you know, and uh, and and, um, and and then with that, you know, it leads to that. Definitely leads to a little bit more exposure for the label, which leads to more bands from outside of Colorado kind of finding me. And then I'll work with like a, a, a band. That just did a single for a band called Gentleman Rogues, and uh, Gentleman Rogues from Austin, Texas. They just had the coolest song in the world on Little Steven's Underground Garage and just had a video premiere for their single. And they're really like picking up a lot of steam. And, you know, it, it turns out that I knew the singer Danny, Well, I, I, I didn't know him, but I saw his old band, Jill play at my local club when I was like 19 and, but I didn't know him. I didn't know that there was any relation to that band until we met last year, you know? And it's like, just the little things like that um, just little connections and just kind of, you know, like I never, I never stopped. Like I never moved on or, you know, a lot of people, I think, feel pressure to, you know, grow up or get real, but what they really mean is get a real job and don't do fun stuff anymore. And I just, I don't, I don't operate like that. And I'm lucky that, um, you know, I I live, I live uh, in a, in a world where you can still be in your forties and do this stuff and it's still fun. And, uh, you know, honestly, if it's valid to just you it's already worth it but you know to see that it's still important to a lot of people um it's just it's really heartwarming and it really makes me happy that um I never stopped doing it
0: I can I can totally understand that because growing up listening being like a super fan of music and and uh getting to meet those punk rock bands when I was a teenager in my 20s and and now I get to work with Sam from Down by Law, uh, oh, yeah. putting out his Surf Band, and it's so weird because in 1994 I'm I'm watching Sam on stage put on this great show, and it's kind of it's it's kind of like what you were just saying. You know, you get to see these guys when you're young, and then. You develop relationships with them, and then later on, you're lucky enough to put out one of their records. You know, just by happenstance, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that's funny. And also, then you realize the other connections. Like, so you're friends with you friends with Sam. Um, I've played a couple shows. I played bass for a couple shows with Down by Law because another band I play in called Bad Year. Our drummer is the drummer in Down by Law. And so I wound up meeting Dave and we, we pinched hit for a, a couple of shows. And then the first time I saw Down By Law was the first time I saw the Bull Weevils who were one of my favorite bands then who have since become like really great friends of ours and Spells has done shows with them. And um, I did a little um, like benefit single a couple months ago and Daryl was uh, like a guest vocalist on it. And it's just, it's, you know, it's really weird like how like all, all the webs, and all the connections that, that happen over the years. Um, it's just, it's, a, it's also a fun thing to see because I think when you're still kind of running in these circles, when, when you're older, you're really running into a lot of people that feel the same way that, that you always did about it. It's not just a passing phase or what you did when you were young. It's a lot about your values and how you see the world and it just happens to be set to music. Yeah, absolutely uh I could pick my
0: my life um is is kind of like auto like biographically dictated by the music I was listening to at the time what album came out what year yeah like' I can remember where I was doing what I was doing and playing in what band when it when a, when the a record came out and mm-hmm. i I'm sure. That applies to a lot of people, and and that's what keeps people going in the in the scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that that is really interesting because I wonder. So you live uh, you live uh, in or near Philadelphia? Yes. Okay, so did you grow up? Did you grow up there?
0: Uh, I grew up in a small town north of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, okay. but I went to school in Philly. And now I I work uh, at NBC Sports Philly, and uh, Mm. I'm trying to 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 build a a business where I can pretty much sustain myself and and do what I love doing, which is this.
1: Cool, that's great. So you, I hear Alan, who was from wasn't like Weston and Digger from Alan. Yes, those were those like your local bands. I know what's up. I've been around. (laughs) Yes. I, you know,
0: last uh, two summers ago, I saw Digger open for Dave Smalley's band Don't Sleep.
1: And oh, yeah, that, that band's cool. Yeah, Digger, I was, yeah, Digger just, have they been together the whole time or do they just start playing again?
0: No, actually, one of the guitar players from Weston is in Digger now. Okay. And, um, weston and my old band were around the same time so tell me what your old band was though uh it was a punk rock band called down division we weren't very big uh i I think maybe it would have worked out had we go on going on tour but uh we we kind of broke up after i got i graduated college and sure it 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 got got slow but Weston was huge like uh You know, along with the bouncing souls who spent a lot of time, in, oh sure, in in Philly, when Weston came to town, like everybody was there.
1: Nice, yeah, yeah. I remember, I, yeah, Weston. I saw I saw Digger a few times, and even one of, uh, like, you know, having been playing in bands like forever. I think we even played with them. One of my old bands played with them, like in Baltimore with Eighty Eight Fingers Louie, So like. Yeah, like I, I think a lot of, I think the '90s was a great time to get exposed to, to punk rock because, um, well, any time is a great time, but the, you know, like the, the mid '90s was such a interesting cross section of pop punk and post hardcore and emo and ska and all this other stuff that um, there's kind of something for something for every musical taste, and then. Um, you know, at the, at the turn of the century when other things like, you know, like weren't as weren't as in fashion anymore and you saw like who was still into what, like kind of in, informed how you kept going, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of 88 Fingers, Lily, my, uh, my our, our old drummer, Chris, um, went to the Musicians Institute of Technology in L.A., uh, mm-hmm. for music and obviously, and uh one of the guys from 88 Fingers Louie was there. Mm. Now, anybody who's heard that band knows how technically superior they are. They're just yep. they out there. So yep. he used to bring me all their demos and stuff like that, whatever we would meet up. And uh sure. yeah, I was I was already a big fan, but when he said he was going to school with them, I was like, Give me some demos.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but um but that's also cool too because like that's part of uh, and you know there's other music that have like these kind of communities too but like that's where it brings you back to so, like what does DIY mean to you and and all that like DIY is having a friend that knows a band that, and they share demos and it's it's not you know it's that whole thing like you know the the bands that I first was into were, were like you know like black flag or minor threat and you read the stories about, you know, it's like you your playing shows with your buddies, you're taking your buddies on tour, you're putting out your friend's records. And it was all about like, creating, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't just, I'm here. You need to help me make it to the top. It was how can we all do this together? Um, and, you know, even though it's been romanticized, uh, you know, over the years, and you you know like different people don't necessarily feel the same way about it like that's just still like what it means to me is like it's you know it's about it's about sharing and like you know the shared the shared journey and not just you know it's awesome like I'm always happy when bands like break bigger and and all this other stuff that's that's great but the ones that do it and still remember um you know who their who their friends are and how they got there. The ones that tend to stick around for a long time, and even even like weather, you know the, the greater trends. Yeah, yeah. So I see tons of vinyl
0: on, on behind you. Is, is oh yeah. I, I'm a, I'm particularly fond of vinyl. I always have been my whole life. Yeah. But is, is that your preferred media? to put to put it out. is
1: it is it's my it is my preference although um i should say um well i have a lot of opinions about you know the record industry but uh but money not being a factor vinyl is the, the preferred format. um but you know i'm not anti-digital uh I listen to tons of digital music. Um, As much as I listen to records on a record player, like I'll also, I mean, I have an MP3 library full of tens of thousands of songs. Like Snapy Little Numbers has a a DJ arm, so I like, you know, DJ events and weddings and stuff. So it's a lot. So I, you know, I love all sorts of music and play all sorts of music, but vinyl is, is definitely the preference, but. You know, um, I think cassettes are cool. Uh, CDs reigned for a long time and they were inexpensive and convenient. Uh, I, for the longest time, I was just like a CDs are dead, don't bother. But now that like make, you know, pressing vinyl records and the cost as a consumer to buy vinyl has been skyrocketing to the point that I wonder if like CDs are going to be a thing again, because I've seen younger people back like kind of get back into CDs Um, because you can press or burn 50 CDs and still hand make your covers. um, And people still can like toss it in their car, throw it on their CD drive um, on their laptop or whatever. But, you know, like cassettes are kind of cooler and or whatever, more, more kitschy. But, uh, you know, CDs, I think are still starting to kind of achieve the same effect for some people. And, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in touch with what all the younger generations necessarily into, but I have been trying, especially during the pandemic, I've really enjoyed just being a fan and like not connected to any of it from like playing music or being a label and just enjoying what people are doing without trying to figure out like how I might fit in to like participate. It's just been more like I like what they're doing, and that's great. Uh, And you know, so it's been really interesting to see and hear, and spend the time delving into, you know, what the early twenty-somethings are are doing these days, and the interesting mixes of music that they've come up with now that there's been, you know, twenty-five more years of, of punk and whatever experimental kind of music to to combine. Not to mention if anybody's into. Hip hop, soul, R and B, and like adding like even more like uh, instrumentation or electronic elements. So one thing I
0: noticed that I I didn't notice when I was young buying records is a lot of collaborations between labels to get to get uh, bands that they believe in out out to the the, the world. Sure. And, there's one in particular band that I'll mention is tired radio. Uh, we were a part of putting out their CD, but the vinyl was put out by six different labels. And when mm-hmm. you hear it, when you hear it, you understand, okay, this isn't just six different labels pooling their money. This is six different labels that believe this record is good enough to get out. And they want to, they want to get it out and help. Yeah. Um,
1: do you have any experience in that in that area? Yeah, I've done a few co-releases, um, and like you say, it's it's and I I've always been one that it's you know I I like working with other labels, and uh, I mean it depends on the release and what the band is is looking for, but it's it's like you say, it's it's kind of like it, you know the. And more, more than just one or two people like think that it's a good record and the pooling of the resources can be pragmatic but it's also again it comes back to like kind of like that more like social like familial kind of relationship and that you know you become friends with these other labels or you've been a fan of what they've done and eventually you intersect with them because of this one band and then um you know, I am always interested in learning how people do what they do. So working with another label, it just allows me an opportunity to see like, well, you do this and that, and you've had success. So maybe I should try it. Or like, I think that maybe I haven't seen them do something that I do that might be helpful. And it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're trading, you're trading uh, your your recipes, I suppose. And then when it comes to the record that you collaborate on, um, the only thing that's really going to do is benefit the record because your your you know people that follow one label but don't know the other are going to get exposed to the other and vice versa, and then the the band's going to get to tap into you know two or three or the example you gave six other labels, rosters and connections and you know if there's any sort of following. Um, so it's uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, from uh, just uh, exposure standpoint, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I was I, I was, uh, I was in, in with the product um,
1: Duda from Terra Motor, um expressed which I saw that I saw your episode with with him because I just uh, I just got hit the TerraMotor like. Three months ago, and and the rad, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that. That. And I think it was. Uh, what's the? I just because I just found out about the label that they did like a seven inch with the label from Texas.
0: Otitis. Uh, huh? Otitis Media.
1: That's yeah. Because I got the Thunderbeats record too, and I was like, oh, this here's this cool like surfy garagey label that's like new to me, and that was part of my. Be, just being a fan and like seeking out other things you know what i mean
0: yeah uh they're great they have like a fantastic roster <clears throat> excuse me and uh the guy from Terra motor he 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 said what i was thinking subconsciously the the record the vinyl uh is more beautiful that's that that's his take on it as yeah. a musician to have a physical copy in your hand and say, you know, hey, we made this, you know, and
1: it's, the, art, the art, artwork is larger than life. Um, yep. And like, I'm still a tactile person. Like it's fun, like it's fun to go to a record store and flip through the bins, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I think as being, you know, I I started a, a label a long time ago, just so that I wouldn't necessarily have to rely on other people if I wanted to put a record out. So, you know, I played in bands first. And so that's why the way I kind of do the label is like a musician first. Like I, I like vinyl because that's what I want as a musician and also just as a music fan. So I totally get like, yeah, it, the, like, that's the The best way to connect and it makes it more than just you know for better or worse like music is i suppose more disposable these days with like streaming culture um and vinyl or a physical artifact like harkens back to that it's like it's more than just you know a background sound to pass your day it's like an investment of like time and energy and effort and opinion and dissertation and that all comes out like when you can present it in the physical package too yeah the the somebody some article i was reading the other
0: day coined it now it may seem a little corny but it did make sense the the phrase they they coined was deep listening like how that's a lost art where you just sit yeah and, and there's nothing else going on and you're paying attention yep and I, I, I think for me, it's made me more analytical because I'm listening for every little thing. And it, I, I think that that state of mind um, changes people like us.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. And we're I mean, we're definitely we're definitely not the average music listener or we're not the typical target market for things like that. And and I understand that, too. But uh, but it still I'm still glad that there are people there's enough of us that that is still a valid format that can still happen so that you can do the deep listens and like really you know like yeah like throw on a record and all you're doing is just yeah the deep listening or reading a lyric sheet or just like studying an album cover while you're listening to the record like uh, it's, it's that's very fun like that's that in itself is an activity, um, and it's a great primary activity, whereas music for a lot of people is a secondary activity.
0: It uh it helps me with my anxiety, like um, you know, when, when people might resort to other methods, sure. <laughs> uh I put I put a record on, um, and then I just sit there and listen, and maybe I'll put two or three on and I'll drink coffee a lot of coffee mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. then uh, and then just listen you know all different all different genres mm-hmm. um but it is an experience that helps me you know get out of my own head sometimes
1: yeah totally and i think um yeah you're right it definitely it's uh it can be a departure, like, and it's a health. It's certainly a, a healthy one, like, um, you know, and and some people experience that different ways, like getting lost in a book or whatever. But, um, you know, that's it, it's just when you're into it, like, you know how special that can be.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to I want to talk to you
0: a little bit about uh, something outside of the record label part in the other things you do like you mentioned you dj things do you put mm-hmm. on shows what are some of the other things you do to be involved in getting music heard
1: so um you, you know primarily, like first and foremost you know i've alluded to it before but i'm i'm a music fan like and we all we all are but um you know I, I, and again where it comes back to kind of like the the community thing, it's you know, it's a little different with the pandemic and not being able to hang around people as much. But definitely like think about, uh, you know, so however many tours I've done or whatever, like and everybody's always like, oh, have you heard this yet? And it's always like the sharing of the music between your friends when you're in the van. Or um yeah, so that the DJing is that that's when I do like a you know like a specific event or wedding that's probably more like you know pop top 40 or or whatever kind of stuff but then there's uh the times that i'll dj like like art installations or like uh, you know events at like breweries or something where you're again like i'm playing what like i want to listen to and what i want to expose people to and even then, it's like, uh, it's fun to get the request because somebody, the one person in the crowd recognizes that deep track that you just played and they're like, oh, you know what that is? Do you have this? And then like, you have that whole interaction again with a stranger and, you know, and, and that, that just spreads to when you're hanging out with friends or you're, you know, out in public checking stuff out and it goes back to, you know, like how it's fun to hang out in record stores and, you know, the staff can, say what they're into but you can always hit them to something too and it's not that that happens as much as it used to when I used to go to you know three shows a week and go record shopping once a week or whatever but you know that that's just kind of I feel like I'm a I'm a big cheerleader and a big um I try and instill a lot of confidence in any of my friends that are interested in music or that play or perform music to just you know it's as long as you as long as you're getting something out of it, as long as you have a connection to it or you feel some sort of drive, like it already has merit. Um, don't worry about who else likes it or, or whatever else. Like you just do what do what you do, and and be confident that if you feel something, that you know it it has merit. And and being a music fan, that's just kind of like the general attitude of, you know, I usually actually a lot of times on like road trips or tours or whatever like sometimes I'm stoked because I want to show somebody a record I'm really into but more often than not like I defer like I want somebody else to pick the music because I want to hear new things or hear what somebody else is into and then that in turn exposes me to more things and then when it's maybe my turn to share the music in a setting like it'll be something new that that I just got turned on to because of you know hearing it from my buddy or my bandmate or whatever and just that kind of general um disposition is kind of how I participate in music and it kind of that's also going to see shows and going out to shows which you know obviously hasn't been as much of a thing in the in the last year and I don't go to as many shows as I did once when I you know was was younger but it's just kind of like that general openness and and interest and in, um, uh, sharing with others but being interested in hearing what others want to share with you too.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great philosophy, and uh, I I want to kind of turn it a little bit. You said pre-interview that you like to ask questions. Um, what what might you want to ask me that that maybe people don't know?
1: <laughs> well, I well so I want to know I want to know more about. Well, I actually have a lot of questions for you. I want to know. Tell me more about Pi Records and how that got started and like your initial motivations were and, and what has happened that has made you glad you did it and like maybe been a pleasant surprise that you didn't expect. Uh, well, first, um,
0: we, we made up the label name as, way to seem a little bit more relevant when we were in our band we would stick the pie records logo on it in in like 95 and the joke the joke of it was the the drummer at the time bill um was doing was doing the taps we had a little ska part in one of our songs and he said the trick is you have to hit it at pie and and i I never got the joke he thought it was funny Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe it's a German uh, thing I, I don't know about. But um, I kind of took that and, and uh, changed it around and just call, called it Pure Idiot because we're having this radio show called Pure, Pure Idiot Radio coming out. Okay. Um. So what happened was uh, I went away to college and was very heavily into the music scene. And then I went home afterwards and started working in television and kind of got removed for that for quite some time had kids and uh you know how that that might seem all encompassing you know there's not a lot of time for much else yeah so when my kids got older uh i found them being less and less dependent on me which freed up a lot of time and about three and a half years ago my mother passed away um, oh, she, sorry. she thank you um and it, it, it just changed my life. There was a lot of anger and, and issues like why didn't she why didn't she do more to take care of herself that kind of thing sure. but I found that it was the motivation to put me back on track with my roots in in the music. And I just started reaching out to people. I, I wasn't sure of, of what I wanted to do. So I started out with a record store on Discogs. And I did that for a while. Then I started reaching out to bands and saying, hey, we'll do these promo videos for you if you send a couple of copies for our store. And my wife, Jen, does those. And uh, the bands and labels seem to love it. And I meet a lot of great people that way, and I found that's been the most rewarding. Uh, it's not as much about a business, and and it's more about doing doing a thing, you know. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, it would be nice if I if I could quit my job and do this. That way, I could do three or four times as much as what I do. And yeah, and it's more of a more of a thing to keep me from getting inside my head. I, I do as much as I do because uh, if I just sit around, I'll start thinking bad thoughts, you know, like if I, if I'm sedentary. So the next, the next step was to put out a record. I always wanted to put out a record and I, I almost put out one that kind of fell through So I said, well, maybe this isn't going to happen. And then I kind of by accident stumbled onto Sam's band. Um, I put some of his CDs in our store. And then when he uh, put out his new EP, it was only digital. So I said, hey, do you want to, uh, or do, do you have this on vinyl? Where can I buy it? And he said we don't have one. And I said, well, I'll, I, I think I can do this. Well, you know, I'll put it out because I yeah. really, I really love the band, and I'm a real, I'm really a fan of his. and Down by yeah. Law, and, um, and that wasn't enough. So <laughs> I find, I, I find myself every time I get to a one step, uh, there's another idea. So then the radio thing yeah. came. Now, growing up, my dad was a DJ, uh, oldies and top 40. Yeah. Uh, my mom and dad owned a radio station. So uh, I I, I kind of wanted to forge my own path. So I didn't get involved with their radio station, but it was kind of always something I wanted to do. And had I worked with them, I wouldn't have been able to play the music that I wanted to, to hear or that sure. I thought people would, would enjoy. And now it's just kind of like, that's the next, that's the cool. next next step. And yeah, I yeah. And I found, uh, I, I thought maybe reaching out to people would be awkward, but I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. Uh, and I found the response was overwhelming and we're working on our first show now. Uh, people are very great. That's gra- awesome. They're gracious with their time. And I think that's the most rewarding thing for me is, um, the openness to what I'm doing. And, and and if you're honest about what you're doing, uh, people will gravitate towards you.
1: That's true. And that's, it's always tough to like, that can be hard to remember when, you know, when you say getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and that's, I mean, the only way that you get better at anything is, you know, trying, trying harder, trying different, different ways and and that i'm so glad that you had that experience of you know reaching out and getting positive responses because um yeah that that the initial leaps and into things especially when it comes to like creative endeavors can be so scary but then you realize it's like you say if you're honest about it and your intentions are honest people people get that pretty quickly and you'll and and they want to help you or be a part of it um, if you're really, if you're really like being being true about your intentions. And I, and, and I see that from a
0: lot of labels, um, independent labels who seem small, but their, their, their influence is spread. Like uh, I had just recently met Noah from Otitis, but everybody knows uh-huh. it. He's got tons of releases. And it's so wonderful to to meet new people and uh, just just realize that more people have stuff in common with me than I realized. It, it, it's not yep. I'm I'm not alone in this. And and that oh, you know, being a punk so. rocker, you can you can sometimes feel like you're on the outside, but it also oh feels, yeah, it, it also feels good when you know there's people like minded people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great. So the other thing I want to ask you is, so um, what, uh, so you, you work in sports television, is that right? Like, yeah. that's your primary day job? Yeah. Um, so how did that, how did that come about? Like, did you, like, was that uh, your vocation out of college? Like you went to school for like journalism or television production
0: or something? Or um, I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia. Um mm-hmm. I was originally going to move to LA and go for music production. And my girlfriend at the time suggested I go to Philly with her
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we live together. I, I don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I originally went for audio production and TV was kind of like a side, you know, it was just part of the curriculum. Um, yeah. And then I found out, oh my God, all the math involved with radio and and audio theory. um, Even though I played music my whole life, it's just that part of it it just didn't click with me, like recording and things like that. Uh, I wasn't very, I wasn't a very technical person. I was a music person. Yeah, but but when it came to that makes total sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So so by the by default, I was kind of like, now what? And a couple a couple of semesters in, I had my first TV class and I went to the labs and edited and shot and I said, well, I kind of really like this. So I ended up getting out of college and working at Walmart and my uncle would drive me to work. And I was so defeated because I sent resumes everywhere and, and I was working at this job and I was like, felt like such a loser because I just come out of being in a band, having internships, going to labs every day at my own job, living on my own. Yeah, And, and now I'm working at Walmart living with my parents again. And uh, this one TV station right up the street from where I lived uh, called me uh, and they said, uh, what was your, what is your goal? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I, I enjoyed technical directing in college the most. So mm-hmm. uh, the, she, the, the manager laughed and she said, well, we already have a technical director. she said, where do you see yourself in a year? I said, technical directing your show. Uh, and <laughs> in, in a year I was directing and technical directing. Um, so I met my goal. Uh, only because of my uh, tenacity and and bugging the hell out of the the director to show me, and sure. that, that's kind of the path I've been on ever since.
1: Okay, cool. And so uh, the sports thing was that? Uh, were you interested in sports before, or is that just ha- like that's just where things led? Um,
0: it 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 it's a uh, to me it's work like. The, the work is the same no matter what format. What the? Yeah,
1: it doesn't matter if it's sports or like yeah. a drama. It's the same. Yeah, uh, okay.
0: I I come mostly from a news background, but I've done morning shows, okay. and, and good shows and bad shows and and uh, sports is is pretty much um, not my thing. Like I yeah. love, I love the Sixers and I love the Flyers, um, okay. but, but I'm not a big baseball or football fan. It's a big football town, um, yeah. But it, it's the work and, and the people. It, you know, I uh, I've been there for quite a while now, and uh, I, th- I think it amplified my interest in hockey a little bit more. Uh, I used to sure. go in the nineties. I used to go to see the flyers a lot. Uh, but now they're in our building where we work. So I can, you know, not now, but before quarantine, we could walk across the hall and go see the flyers play on the ice like sure. on that level. And, and uh, so that was kind of a, cool. a cool experience. Uh, I'm not a real big sports fan, but um, mm-hmm. I've come to respect the medium uh sure the pre and post game shows um mm-hmm. and just getting to uh listen to, to uh, the wealth of knowledge these people have and uh, so
1: when i'm watching uh when i'm watching the sixers on my ba league pass and i and i see their halftime show like uh did you work on that yep
0: yep okay Matter of fact, yesterday uh, we just did one. Yeah.
1: All right. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's. Uh, I wouldn't say like I'm not a huge. I mean, I'm not a huge sports nut, but I I like I like sports and you know kind of follow basketball and and whatever. But it's 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 fun. It seems it's one of those things where I think when you're into punk at first, like it's, it's like a pretty anti-sport thing and then anybody that's still into it when they're older they're like yeah but well, yeah i guess sports are okay because you're so far removed from having to endure like the the jock mentality or like any of like the bullies or any of like the as much as like the the high school hierarchy that can come from like sports interests like it, you have come back around to appreciating just like you know, the, if you enjoy the game or whatever a game is, you know, yeah. like whatever you, you dig about it. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, it's not a, it, it, it wasn't something I even thought about. Uh, I worked for the, the parent company, which is Comcast um, mm-hmm. previously. And then I went into a news, a local news NBC station and NBC was bought by Comcast. Right. So,
1: uh, I I don't want to get into all the the. There. Yeah. There. I was gonna say we could talk for we could do three shows about uh, media and the economic yeah. support and.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but long story short, um, my my old boss from Comcast reached out to me, and then I went back. And uh. Because the news business is very uh, small now.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I have a a friend that's a reporter and it sounds like a very interesting line of work. Yeah.
0: um, Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, or talk about or promote?
1: Um, Let's see here. Uh, Well, I should say uh, today is the release day of the new album by a band called State Drugs from Denver that uh, I co-released with Uh, ashtray monument which is a label from buffalo new york so when you talk about co-releasing um we, we teamed up for that one uh and it's a uh it's a great album and uh you know i it's one of those things where um i already like the band it's the second time i've worked with the band but again it's like man like every you know i listen to the record so much and it just keeps getting better and better and that's always the mark of a great record to me Um, so I'd say, so that's the, that's the latest. Uh, I think I told you I had to bump, I I bumped our interview the other day because my digital distributor erased like 12 of our titles from the catalog. So I have to figure out how to get all that stuff back up so people can find whoever they want on the streaming services. And that is insanely frustrating, but I promise I'm working hard to fix it and it's not because I'm dumb somebody else did it not me <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a um there's a thing called tune core have you heard of tune core yep um
1: it's a similar it's just so it's the it's who i'm with that does the job of tune core they something with their database or whatever screwed uh, screwed my stuff up uh,
0: that's messed up dude <laughs>
1: yeah um <laughs> But are you? Did you? Are you with TuneCore with your with uh, that record you did?
0: I, no, uh, Same has that on uh, Bandcamp, the digital version. So yeah, i yeah. didn't I didn't want to. I didn't want to compete with that. So I just sure. I just handled the uh, the physical copies.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's so many different ways you can do that uh, with you know um, whoever has control of. Digital versus physical, and it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole crazy, crazy world out there. Um, And I'm usually, I'm, you know, I I can do digital, digital, and physical, and it's usually whatever the artist needs or prefers when it comes to the responsibility of who handles what. But yeah, it was very frustrating for me to find out that um, somebody made a mistake that affected the bands that I work with. That was very upsetting.
0: Yeah, especially if you have. Uh, I've gone on to Apple Music. I, I listen to a lot of digital music in my car, and sure. some sometimes I'll add add stuff to my library, and I'll come back three months later, and it's not available. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell's going on? Like it's showing up in my library, but I can't play it. And that's, I think, kind of what's going on with you right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that gets sorted, but you know, the, the other thing too is while I want everybody to be able to access the music where they want to access it, it's also, you know, all the band camps and the web stores and the band websites, they all work, they, and they always work and you can always access their music directly. And that's always going to be the best thing for the artists too, um, is to go, you know, go buy, buy the record or, you know, pitch them some money on Bandcamp if you want the digital version. And, you know, I'm not anti-streaming. I have a lot of uh, a lot of opinions and theories about why things are the way they are. But, you know, at the end of the day, people just want their music to be heard. And I want to enable that.
0: That's a, a good uh, philosophy.
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of good philosophies coming from you, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of armchair philosophies. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but uh but you know like I like at, at the end of the day I'm just uh you know I have I'm so lucky like I have a great life uh wife and I are super happy she works for her a, a, a shop that her parents own so they have an independent business I'm mostly self-employed and uh you know music has brought a lot of good stuff to our lives and it's still a, a big it's always going to be a big part of my life and as time goes on there's just more more ways that um it, it's brought new opportunities and n- new ways to share with other people and uh, I couldn't have asked for more when my goal was to play a show when I first learned how to play music yeah. I was like It'd be really awesome to be in a band and play a show at a fireball, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, or wait, yeah, totally, yeah, um, yeah. And here, and here, and here, here we are. You know, like I'm sure you know, similar, similar thoughts, similar, similar uh, uh, ideas of what might be nice. And uh, it's really encouraging to see and meet new people, or you know, hang out with friends that that have been around a long time and. It's a, it's a constant exceeding of the expectations. Um, so long as your expectations were uh, realistic or I'm kind of a low or no expectations kind of person. So I can always be pleasantly surprised. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that I've been very pleasantly surprised by uh, the musical path in life. Awesome. Uh, before we go, I want people to,
0: uh, to know where they can find find you, find the music you put out, Uh, what platforms are you on, and uh, how can people connect with you?
1: Sure, Uh, so the easiest way to remember is snappylittlenumbers.com, and that will take you to where um, you have a choice of uh, if you wanna go to the label branch or the DJ branch, or I just started um, doing a studio, uh, a little basement studio, but um, even if you just Google Snappy Little Numbers, the label is usually what comes up primarily because that's, that's, that's how it's, the, the name has become best known. Um, so yeah, snappylittlenumbers.com gets you anywhere else you need to go um, and gets you a link to our web store if you want to buy the vinyl. Um, we're on Bandcamp, so snappylittlenumbers.bandcamp.com. Uh, all the stuff is up there digitally and uh, think we're on all the social media, although I'm not, I'm not the greatest at uh, at doing that. I try and stay pretty steady with it. So um, I feel like anybody that wants to find us can find us. And in the meantime, I'll keep learning about how to uh, get in front of more people so that more of our bands get heard.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. Uh, It was really a a pleasure to talk with you and uh, get your insight uh, on the community, and and uh, I really admire a lot of the things that you say, and can and can connect with what you've said. So I want to thank you for your time.
1: Well, thank you, Ryan. Um, it's been it's been awesome. I really like I told you pre interview. I really enjoy doing these kinds of things just because, you know, like we've you know we're we're connected now. We're we're we were peripherally connected, and now we're friends, and uh, we're gonna. You know, be be similarly linked for a while. I'm going to go order Sam's record from you when I uh, wrap up some other things today. And you know, if you ever need or want anything from me, you just let me know. But uh, you know, I'd love to stay in touch and love to probably ask you even more questions about what you do and 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 be and support the work that you're doing. And uh, I just really appreciate uh, your time and your your interest and your effort. Very very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Have a have a good day. Yeah.
1: Hey, yeah, you too. So okay, uh I guess show show's over now, right? So now